The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, May the 16th, 2022. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Monday morning, and uh, here with you on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be back with you here after another couple days of dealing with (laughs) the illness that will not stop, unfortunately. Can't quite figure it out. Of course, neither can the doctor. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So we'll keep just chugging forward and trying to live the healthiest life we can, I guess. And I guess I hope that's what all you guys are doing out there, dealing with allergies or sickness or whatever it else it is. And uh, But glad to be back on a Monday. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, look, it's, it's, it's not going to be a very positive show today. I'm just going to put it out there. It is not going to be very positive uh, because I am just still like, like my soul is like scorched right now after having to endure that game seven of the Phoenix Suns and Dallas Mavericks series that ultimately ended in the demise of the Phoenix Suns and their record-breaking season and their hopes to win an NBA championship. And I mean, really... <laughs> For a lot of Arizona fans, that you know, fans of of Arizona sports and Phoenix Suns fans specifically, who knows? I mean, you know, will we ever see this team win a championship? And I know that there are so many fans out there of of teams who probably feel that way. But it, I mean, it legitimately, I mean, it's been a long time for this Phoenix Suns franchise, and you know, they've they've had opportunities. They've been to the NBA Finals three times. They've you know been beaten in all three of those series. A couple of times by, you know, well, I shouldn't say a couple of times, all three times by future Hall of Famers, uh, you know, on the other side, uh, you know, one of them being the greatest player of all time. And this year, just, uh, you know, they they went into the postseason, the overwhelming favorites to win the NBA championship, even though there were some uh, Vegas odds makers out there that were kind of leaning a little bit more towards Golden State, but Nonetheless, the Phoenix Suns had a massive advantage in the regular season, obviously posting the 64-win season, eight wins more than the next highest team. They had the best win, uh, they had the best home record in the NBA and the best road record in the NBA, something that hasn't been accomplished. I think, I think the last time that happened, it was like the 1968 New York Knicks or something like that, like some crazy uh, statistic like that. Um, or maybe it was something like it was something to that effect. Maybe maybe the Warriors, the seventy three win Warriors. I don't remember. Anyway, regardless, they did some things this year that would lead you to believe that they were going to be a dominant team going into the postseason. And then you started to see some chinks in the armor early. The game two against the New Orleans Pelicans, they get kind of beat up. You know the Pelicans. Take it to them. They say, we're going to go physical. We're going to pressure Chris Paul and the basketball the entire way because we don't believe that there are any other ball handlers out here. And they were right. Look, I've been saying it all year long, and I said it before the playoffs began, that the Suns need to 
focus on passing the basketball, and that's what they've you know that's what they've largely done for the most part. But the Suns need to focus. The Suns need to be a team that focuses on passing the basketball because they are short on ball handlers. They have been all season long, uh, especially you know especially in the starting five, which is strange, but nonetheless, that's it is what it is. They, they don't have great ball handling outside of Chris Paul. And that was evident very early on in this postseason as Willie Green, you know, as, as much as you like to see former coaches and stuff that kind of helped you get to places in, you, you know, in your team's history, as much as you love to see them succeed, Willie Green in, in you know, in that opening round, really, you know, looking back, kind of served as a death knell for the Phoenix Suns because he knew this team's weaknesses. He knew that where he, where this team could be had, and he took a a lesser team in the New Orleans Pelicans, a team who had to fight for a nine seed in the Western Conference. Granted, a very talented Western Conference, but a team that was thirty six and forty six in the regular season, nonetheless, a very talented young team, but pushing the Phoenix Suns to a six game uh, series in round one and kind of giving. Teams, you know, and I and I, I don't want to just I don't want to take credit away from Jason Kidd and his staff because they were phenomenal in this series. They completely outcoached Monty Williams and his staff, uh, pretty much after Game Two, moving on, and you know, in the, in the the games that mattered most, obviously the Final Five. But it, Willie Green, in, in a certain way, kind of served notice on where the Suns could be had, and if you had a more talented and or uh, composed team a team that was maybe a little bit more dug in on the defensive side of the ball, the way that the, the, the Dallas Mavericks' current roster is comprised of, then you were going to be a problem for the Phoenix Suns. And th- th- this is something that we are now looking at in hindsight, obviously, because I picked the Suns to win that series in five, and rightfully so. And I don't think that I was – I don't think that, you know – people that were picking the Suns to win the series should be labeled as homers or don't know what they're talking about. The Suns hadn't lost to the Dallas Mavericks in two and a half years. They had won 11 straight against the Dallas Mavericks. It was easy to pick the Phoenix Suns against the Dallas Mavericks. It was a mismatch. And after the first two games of the series, it was like, man, Phoenix Suns are just killing the Mavericks inside. DeAndre Ayton was feasting. The entire offense was feasting. Anytime Luka Doncic was was on a ball handler, it was a bucket. I mean, every single time. And even though Luka was having these huge games, 45 and 39 points and such, it didn't matter because defensively the Mavericks could not stop the Phoenix Suns. And we expected that to continue. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. And that Phoenix Suns offense looked pedestrian at best until they got to Game 7 when it just completely unraveled last night. And I mean completely, 100% dead, broken, on the side of the road, never to be revived. That was the worst performance I have ever seen out of any team in the history of sports in a Game 7, ever. I've seen a lot of playoff sports, whether it be hockey, baseball, basketball, uh, you know, in football, they don't have game sevens, but we, you know, we, we get it, you know, big, big time elimination games, right? I have never in my life seen a worse, more gutless, more heartless performance 
out of any team in the history of sports than what I watched last night out of the Phoenix Suns. It was despicable. It was embarrassing. I mean, there's, there's a million adjectives that I could use to how I felt watching them get summarily destroyed by a team that they, for all intents and purposes, uh, are, are, are worlds better than. They've proven it over the last several years that they were better than the Dallas Mavericks. But what happened? Like, what happened in this series? And we'll continue to talk about that because we, 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 we have to find out. We, we, we have to understand better. Like, what, just what in the world happened? How could it go so wrong so quickly? Mark Spears, uh, former you know, NBA, uh, you know, NBA insider guy for ESPN, now kind of out on his own doing some things. And, and Mark has a ton of contacts and connections within the NBA, has been working the NBA his entire life. He sits front row at, at, at the media, uh, at, on media row. I mean, front row and center. Like, he gets the princess treatment every, every NBA arena he goes. He reported after the game, that Chris Paul was dealing with a left quad injury, some kind of a some kind of a quad injury, and then look that would that would make sense as to why he was just I mean abysmal isn't even the word. It didn't it didn't look like Chris Paul out there, and then now I got to hear blowhards like Patrick Beverly this morning on the ESPN Morning Show, whatever it's called, the ESPN Morning Show. Sitting there talking about how there there isn't another guard in the league who stays up late at night worrying about how to guard Chris Paul or how they're going to play against Chris Paul. Shut up! Like, hey, um, I know that you know you 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 like to be the agitator and everything like that, but um, you're going to be watching all of these guys be inducted into the Hall of Fame while you get forgotten. So, shut your mouth. Like, I, I, I can't stand people like that. And sitting there talking about himself in the third person, Patrick Beverly doesn't worry about facing Chris Paul the next day. Patrick Beverly goes out and drinks wine at Stake 44. Patrick Beverly does this. Patrick Beverly is the best defender in the NBA, blah, 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 blah. We're going to have to hear this crap all offseason, all of it. We're going we're, we're, we're to have to, I mean, you can, you can try to tune it out as best you want, but uh, good luck. You know, if you if you follow sports, if you're listening to this show, obviously uh, you're somebody who follows sports and someone who pays attention to those kinds of things. You're going to hear it. So what happened? Like, I mean, honestly, like what what what, what did happen? I mean, there was there's a litany of things that uh, you know, looking back and you think about, oh my God, there's this and there was that and there was this. And I think what really what we just have to kind of narrow it down to is that one team was better prepared, more, I I shouldn't say more, they were less rigid in their wanting to make adjustments throughout the series. Monty Williams didn't make a whole lot of adjustments, and honestly, I, I think he's earned the right to not have to make a lot of adjustments because of what worked throughout this season and throughout last season and the, the the way that they got to the NBA playoffs and the NBA finals last year and all the way into a game six against the Milwaukee Bucks for a chance to, to continue on and play for a championship in a game seven. 
you know, all those things, I think he's earned the right to not have to make, uh, you know, major adjustments. But, uh, like, at some point, you have to rescue your own team. At some point, you have to look at them and say, I, you know, I, need, I need to come to the rescue. And maybe he did and just didn't have the right elixir, didn't have the right answers for that quiz. And if that's the case, then, hey, that happens. You got out coached by Jason Kidd. I, <laughs> eh, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, it was a, it was it was just a, it was just an ass whipping like just just the same way that Devin Booker said in, in the post game press conference. It was an ass whooping from the get go, and it began long before Game Seven tipped off. You, you look at th- how Chris Paul played in this postseason, and while he was still at the ripe age of thirty six years old. Uh, he was spectacular. I mean, he was his assist to turnover ratio was what was it five to one? I think it was five four and a half five to one, which is incredible. I mean, it's, look, that's a great assist turnover ratio. Every point guard in the world would take that ratio. And then the day he turned thirty seven, which was game three of this series, he went completely in the tank. Now I don't know if it's coincidence. I'm not obviously. I'm not going to say that thirty seven. On his on his the day of his thirty seventh birthday, he turned into an old man. That's not that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just it's ironic that it it happened that way. And the final, you know, five games of his season were the worst five games he's played in the NBA in his career, in nearly thirteen hundred NBA games. He's never had a worse five game stretch than he had after he turned 37 years old or starting the day that he turned 37 years old. Now, maybe, like I said, maybe it was coincidence. Maybe he he suffered that quad injury in game two or somewhere in between, or it was a nagging injury that, that popped up. Who, who knows? All I know is that a minus 39, minus 39 in the plus minus, again, everybody was, was horrible. Everybody's plus minuses were bad. Ridiculously bad for the Phoenix Suns tonight. I mean, the final score of that game is not indicative of how bad that game was and how badly out of hand it got. But to be, I mean, to have your worst five game session in the history of your career, it, it, it just screams to all of the questions that are going to be happening in this offseason. And you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, I was having this conversation yesterday with with a, with a buddy of mine, and you, you you know you 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 appreciate the good teams, the great teams, whatever. You have a team in the Phoenix Suns who had this remarkable regular season. They sixty four wins, see a you know a franchise record uh, for this team, and being the favorites to go in. And, and you have to look back at you know even Monty in his in his press conference said he said you know we're we're a really good team. And I'm proud of, of what we accomplished this year. And all of that is wonderful. And I know that a lot of people aren't trying to hear that right now because of the way this whole thing imploded uh, in the final, final, specifically the final two games of this series. But it's almost like, it's almost like, I mean, we just, we remember just a few years ago when the Suns were winning 22 games in a year, right? Like they were the worst team in the NBA, the worst team in the NBA. And those off seasons, 
were full of, I think, a little more excitement, right? I mean, maybe I'm speaking for myself here. I mean, I'm always speaking for myself, but, like, maybe, you know, maybe I'm the only one that feels that way, but I always felt like, hey, you know, the Suns are going to make some moves this year. You know, I I know that that Sarver is trying to save money and all this other stuff, and we're not happy with that, but it can't get any worse, right? We have to we have to improve. We're going to get the number one pick in the draft and all this. And I felt like it's almost better to be the worst team in the league and have the offseason than have what happened to the Phoenix Suns because this offseason is going to be miserable for Phoenix Suns fans. Miserable. So many questions. I mean, the, the questions already about DeAndre Ayton. You know, there's it is, it is 50-50. You know, just based on fan reaction, media reaction, all this, it is 50-50. 50% of, you know, the fans uh, slash media, the people that cover this team, whatever, 50% of them believe that DeAndre Ayton has outperformed his rookie contract and has deserved a new max deal from the Phoenix Suns because there are other players in this league who have also gotten max deals who haven't come anywhere near to the success that DeAndre Ayton has had, and specifically that the Phoenix Suns have had with DeAndre Ayton on their team. So there's 50% of them that feel that way. The other 50% think that it'll look great seeing him in a different uniform next year. Where was our superstar? Where was where was Devin Booker when all this was going on? Oh, yeah, not scoring in the first half. How the hell do you not score? Oh, he had, I'm sorry. He had two free throws at halftime. He made two free throws by halftime. So his uh, two points was spectacular. Uh, what was he? 0, 0 of 9 in the first half? 0 for 9 from the field? Yeah. 0 for 6 in the first quarter? Yeah. This team just didn't look anything like, I mean, it's, it's hard. It, it's really, it's hard to explain. Because they didn't look anything like the Phoenix Suns that we know, that we saw. They didn't even look like the Phoenix Suns from Game 6. And Game 6 was an embarrassing blowout. This team came out with zero guts, zero heart, and then they quit. How in the hell do you only score 27 points in a half of a playoff game in which you are playing at home in a Game 7 for a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. 27 points. Oh, by the way, Luka Doncic on the other side of the court there had 27 points by himself. It was Luka 27, Phoenix 27. Now, if Luka had been the only Dallas Maverick playing, then that would have been nice. That would have been okay. However, Jalen Brunson was having himself a game and so was Spencer Dinwiddie, who had the game of his life last night. 25 minutes, scored 30 points, couldn't miss. And I mean, almost quite literally could not miss. So where do the Suns go from here? I mean, really, where, like where, 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 where do the Phoenix Suns go? What, what is next for this team? What is to become of Chris Paul? What is to become of DeAndre Ayton and... You know, Cam Johnson and Cameron Payne, who didn't even play, you know, until garbage minutes in the end of the game last night, played 13 minutes. But, you know, had this been a close game, he wouldn't have saw the floor, he wouldn't have seen the floor unless Chris Paul got hurt. 
So what's next for the Phoenix Suns? We'll talk about that as we uh, continue to break down the Suns' exit from the NBA playoffs next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Talking Phoenix Suns basketball here on the Jeff Dean Show. Specifically, where do the Suns go from here? And I don't know if, if... some people are like, oh, he's going to blow it up and all this. I mean, you don't need to blow it up. That's that's just silly. Don't don't blow it up just because you don't know what the answer is. All right, we can't be we can't just have that attitude. Like, oh, it didn't work, so it's done, it's dead. Uh, just you know, forget about it and you know, get a whole slew of new players. I mean, everybody wants to play GM. Everybody wants to be that fantasy. Uh, you know, the fantasy basketball boss or, you know, fantasy football boss and just trade people and do all this other stuff. The answer is, I think it's it's going to be more within than anything. You know, I mean, it's going to be within the minds, within the hearts, within the bodies, within the souls of each individual that needs to perform better in the postseason. You know, Devin Booker just completely wilted in this series. Everybody did. <laughs> like, nobody played well, which is astonishing to think about. We were, we were laughing at the, at the Mavericks' defense to open up this series. The Suns had scored 121 and 129 points, respectively, in games one and two. It's 250 points, 125 points a game. After that, the Suns averaged 96 points a game. 96 which is 13 below their season average. So maybe instead of saying, you know, oh, the Phoenix Suns just completely suck and this and that and the players don't have any heart, which is true. They, they, they didn't play with any heart, certainly not in game seven. But at some point we do have to give credit for the Dallas Mavericks, unfortunately. We have to give credit to that team who flopped and chirped their way to a win. But, uh, hey, you know, at least they showed up. At least they showed up. And, you know, I know that I've already caught flack from people, people sending me receipts over the weekend. I got you. That's that's cool. I know. I know what I said. You know, I said last week, early last week, I think, you know, Monday after, you know, the Suns were were up 2-1 in the series, I believe. And I said I would still draft DeAndre Ayton number one overall over Luka Doncic because of all the things that he, you know, that he brings – you know, to the team, and then I, I just I wouldn't want a defensive liability like Luka Doncic. Well, if you have a a a coach who will scheme and try to you know hide you know certain aspects of that, and you have an opposing coach who isn't willing to exploit th- those changes, then yeah, you're able to win that argument by just you know out scheming the other coach. Granted. <laughs> I think on this day, as I'm, as I, as we, as we look ahead right now, you know, and, and we, we sit here and we, we reflect back on what happened in the in the previous seven games and look ahead to what what is you know what is about to come. Um, I think it would be foolish to say that you would t- that you would take DeAndre Ayton ahead of Luka Doncic. I just, it's you know for for so many reasons, you know he can get his own shot and he's got the ball in his hand a lot more. 
and anytime you have the ball in your handle, it's like it's like saying it's like saying that you would you would take it's like saying you would take the third best receiver in the NFL on your team before you would take the second best quarterback. Okay, and and I I, I realized that maybe I was talking out of my rear end a little bit, and I was a little hyped because Phoenix Suns had been playing so well and just summarily destroying Luka Doncic defensively uh, that it, it, they were making things look easy for themselves offensively anytime Luka was on the ball. Well, all that went away because Jason Kidd was able to find ways to get Luka switched off of the ball, and the Phoenix Suns did not respond by then reversing and attacking the side of the ball that Luka Doncic was trying to hide on. And then number two, he just absolutely he killed everybody who guarded him. There was nobody to guard Luka Doncic in the Phoenix Suns series. And people say, oh, well, Mikel Bridges, you know, runner-up and defensive player of the year. Yeah, okay, great. He was only guarding Luka 40% of the time. And I think Luka probably still had plenty of success on those 40% uh, those the forty percent of those possessions, but to only have him on forty percent of the time, the soft switches that were occurring, and you know, Mikel Bridges never able to get back, and expecting people like Jay Crowder to guard Luka Doncic at the top of the key is silly. He, I mean, Luka is not the most athletic person in the world. No one is ever going to accuse him of being that. He's a doughy, soft, you know, kind of shows up you know, to the NBA season, out of shape, and, uh, you know, all those things. But I'll tell you what, he was able to blow by Jay Crowder, what, five or six times in game six? In game seven, he was just raining down over top of anybody who stepped out on him. It was it was ugly. It was a tremendous performance by Luka Doncic and his teammates. Like Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie had the game of his life last night, again, none of the Phoenix Suns were stepping up to do anything about it. So, sure, that's why, uh, you know, those things, those kinds of things, you're going to shoot 58% from the field or whatever the hell it was and 50% from beyond the arc, and these ridiculous numbers. So what do the Phoenix Suns do next? They've got a restricted free agent in DeAndre Ayton, and I'll tell you this, you know, he wasn't happy about being taken out of that game last night, and he and Monty were having words with one another. And that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Because if you were, listen, if you were out there and you were playing as hard as you possibly could and you got taken out of the game because you made one little mistake because your coach is upset, you, you, you know, your coach is mad at the world, right, at that point. You're, you're, you're getting beat. He doesn't have any answers for the opposing coach. He's mad at the world. You're busting your butt out there, but one play, one particular play, you didn't hustle on or you didn't get the rebound or you you know weren't able to make the catch or you whatever you didn't recognize something whatever and he benches you for that you got a right to be angry at him for that but DeAndre Ayton didn't have any right to be angry at Monty Williams for the way that he played yesterday because eh, he people's oh he, you know he, he they need to, the, the guards need to pass him the ball yes you are correct you also need to get yourself open and give a damn to be honest with you and I'm very disappointed in the way that he finished up this series. I don't know if he was feeling dejected because the guards weren't throwing him the basketball in the previous three games, but at some point you have to get yourself so wide open and start demanding the basketball that they can't deny you those passes. Like they wouldn't, they won't have an option to not throw you the basketball. You have to take that upon yourself. And I know that, you know, 
this is not a league dominated by centers anymore. This is not the Shaquille O'Neal era, the, not the Hakeem Olajuwon era, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar era, the Bill Russell, the Will Chamberlain. It's not, it, those eras are gone. Those are dead and gone, and those types of centers probably may never return, at least, at least not in my lifetime. But at some point, you have to be able to demand the basketball with the way you dominate the paint, especially against smaller players, a team that is so small like the Dallas Mavericks. So what's next for the Phoenix Suns? Well, I have some ideas, and we'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, one of the things I do love, actually, about betting on FanDuel Sportsbook, you know, betting sports and the sports that I love. I, I, I have a lot of love for a lot of different sports. Uh, and the ability to be able to throw some wacky parlays out there and try to get a little more bang for your buck seems to be it's, – it's a fun, creative way to look at, you know, the different sports that are out there, whether it be NBA playoffs, MLB regular season, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, or anything else. And with FanDuel – you can do that with Same Game Parlay Plus. You don't have to just stick to one sport. You can mix in multiples. And I've done it a, I've done it a bunch of times so far uh, in, in the last month or so, and I've been having some fun with it, having some success too. Uh, you know, the great thing is you, you basically you go into like an NBA game. Let's say, you know, you're looking at the let's say you're looking at the Western Conference Finals now. You're looking ahead to Wednesday. You've got maybe, you know, Golden State on the money line and you're going to take Steph Curry to hit three three-pointers in the game. But you also like Aaron Judge to hit a home run that night. And you maybe you also want the Florida Panthers. You take the Florida Panthers minus one and a half in their opening game in that series as well. You can bundle all of those together with your same game parlay plus on FanDuel Sportsbook and make a huge payout from just a small amount of stake, which is great. Now, if you don't want to build your own same game parlay, FanDuel also offers like popular same game parlays sections, whether it be uh, other bettors who are, you know, jumping on a trend or something. Sometimes you'll see, like, there are 7,000 people that have played this card. Or they have experts in there as well. And experts say, I like this play for tonight. And a lot of those are same-game parlay pluses as well. So if you don't want to, you know, build your own, you can also take some of the suggestions of more experienced bettors or people maybe a little bit more in the know. Regardless, you're going to get a big payout when you do win. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, just sign up with my promo code, DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to get your first risk-free bet up to $1,000. So make every moment more. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Down, uh, just use my promo code, DEAN, so that they know that I sent you exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 and over in President Arizona. First online real money wager only. Refund is issued as non withdrawable site credit. Expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. The big question this offseason for the Phoenix Suns is, should they or should they not give DeAndre Ayton a max deal? They've got a probably as a super max extension coming for Devin Booker. The uh, options for Chris Paul right now are to retire or come back. He says he's going to be back for his next season, uh, for the 2022-23 season. I think that would be, that's fine. What's next for the Phoenix Suns? And I think it's, it's going to be about, well, first of all, you need to get a couple of guys paid. 
I do believe you need to pay DeAndre Ayton. I, I believe that he has outperformed, certainly outperformed his rookie contract, and even though he did wilt in the final three games of this series, and we did see him wilt in the final two games of the NBA Finals last year, I think it was more I, – I, I honestly think that he was just completely out of gas in the NBA Finals last year. He, he looked like he was trying. He just didn't have the legs, uh, didn't have the legs where Giannis was just a man on a mission. So I think last year, uh, certainly a better look than what ended, uh, you know, the way the end of, of this season looked. I still believe through all of that that he has earned a, a max deal from the Phoenix Suns. He's the number one overall pick. There are players that were taken behind him that were given max deals, guys like Michael Porter Jr., who can't play more than 30 games in a season, it seems like. Uh, and it's going to be about player development. And... You know, there are plenty of people out there who believe he's soft and all this, but I'll tell you what, when you look at the numbers and you look at his effect on games, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to deny that he doesn't deserve a max contract. Now, the way that he played and the way things ended are going to put a sour taste in the decision-makers, you know, mouths, of course, whether it be, you know, James Jones and or Robert Sarver. So it's going to be you know, on their shoulders, and I'm sure Monty's going to go to bat for him, and I'm sure that, that Monty and DeAndre have probably already buried the hatchet of whatever it was that took place on that bench last night when Monty benched DeAndre in the third quarter and DeAndre basically made it very well known and very vocal that he was not happy about being benched in that game, did not speak with the media afterwards. Um, and, and look, Maybe a sign of things to come. Maybe DeAndre understands that this is his last time with the, t- with the team, or maybe he believes that to be the case. Maybe he feels like, if they didn't pay me now, they're not going to, so I'm going to go into this season a free agent. There are a lot of players. DeAndre Ayton would not be the first player in professional sports history to take the, the, the attitude that if I haven't been given an extension, if I haven't been given the contract, if, I haven't been, if this team's not going to pay me, then what am I doing here? He wouldn't be the first guy to do it. He's certainly going to be the last. I'm not saying that's the right way to go about your business, and I'm not here to tell anyone how to go about their business. But I will say this. I do believe that based on the numbers that he has earned himself a max contract from the Phoenix Suns. And if they do offer him the max contract, yes, they will be over the luxury luxury tax threshold, and yes, they will be a playoff team again. A playoff team again uh, next year, maybe without all of the hoopla and and stress of being the number one overall seed and being the favorites to win the championship. Maybe next year they go in as a two seed. You know, who knows what happens in the offseason with organizations like the Lakers? Uh, you know, do the do the Golden State Warriors improve? What do the Memphis Grizzlies look like after this? weird weird season with the you know with losing their star player but being a better team for it weird stuff right you know so there's a lot of question marks that are going to be answered in the offseason as well but i still think that in the end it comes down to individual effort and introspective look into oneself for every man on that team whether they're wearing a jersey or a suit Things did not go right for that team in a lot of ways. And it all begins and ends between the years. There wasn't, there wasn't a physical mismatch 
other than Luca, you know, kind of bullying some of the Suns defenders. But that's going to happen. He does that to everybody. I mean, it's there are very few people in this league that are going to be able to to match up against him physically. Like he, Draymond is about to lock him down, and I, when I say lock him down, he'll make life miserable for Luca. I think Luca will still get his points and things like that, but it's it's going to be a lot more difficult uh, for him to do that against a guy like Draymond Green, who's big, physical, veteran savvy, you know, all those kinds of things going for him. But it wasn't like the Phoenix Suns physically got outmatched. It wasn't like the Suns went up against a better shooting team. It's just the Mavericks played better. The Mavericks shot better. They defended better because they wanted to, because they had uh, whether it be a bigger chip on their shoulder or they had uh, you know, less anxiety based on expectations or they just had this air of confidence about them, like they believed in what their coach was telling them and how they were going to beat the Phoenix Suns. Whatever it was, it was the right elixir at the right time because they smashed the Phoenix Suns in the final two games of this series. Smashed them. Like Suns didn't even belong on the same court. Not in, not in the same league as the Dallas Mavericks in the final two games of the series. So, again, I don't, I don't want to see a lot of roster changes for the Phoenix Suns. I think that they're somewhat okay constructed the way that they are. Again, we know, we, we know what their deficiencies are. I, I've, I laid them out before the, before the playoffs even began. They don't have a good number two ball handler. Devin Booker is not a great ball handler. Devin Booker works great within an offense. He is not a great ball handler. When you look at point book during the season, when games were played without Chris Paul for whatever reason, or there were considerable minutes to be played when Chris Paul was on minute management, when you only play 18 to 20 minutes in a game, you know, for a, for a, a road trip, things like that. When we got to see point book, the Suns offense struggled mightily in those games. And it, 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 it was every single game. There are statistics that show it. So they need a, a good, a really, really good secondary ball handler. We were hoping that Cameron Payne was going to step up and be that guy. Now, it's not saying that he won't ever be that guy. He just wasn't in this series. He could develop into that way. And again, this is still a very young team. You know, we DeAndre Ayton, 23 years old. Cameron Payne, 23 years old. Cam Johnson, 21, 22 years old. Okay, it's, it's still a, a very young team. Mikel Bridges, 23, 24 years old. Young team outside of Chris Paul. And Devin Booker, for all intents and purposes, is he's still a very young player. Established, but young. There's still plenty of player development to be had. But again, I think it's more, it needs to be more of an introspective look to a man in that, in that organization than it does to be a, a structural overhaul or a, a restructuring of the roster. I don't think that needs to happen at all. You need to pay the people that have, that have gotten you to where you are and start developing them and let them grow within themselves and realize that there's more to life than just being the best paid player, more to life than having the best record in the, in the regular season. It's about winning championships. Will the Suns ever get there? I don't know. I don't know. we got a long road ahead of us here in this offseason. It's going to be a long, painful road in, in this offseason because, you know, everyone is going to – 
players, coaches, fans, media, everybody's going to have to bear the weight of that loss. We're all going to feel it. We're all going to feel it. Trust me. I know I will. I'm not. And the people are like, oh, okay, well, on the football season. No. <laughs> this, this still hurts. This sucks a lot. There's a giant hole inside of me right now, and it's going to be there for a while, probably until next NBA season begins. All right. We will, uh, we will continue to talk some NBA, but we're going to switch gears a little bit to the Eastern Conference as the Boston Celtics moved on past the defending champs. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Yesterday in Boston, Milwaukee led at the end of quarter one by a score of 26 to 20. And then a torrential downpour of three-point jump shots came raining down on top of the, of the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. And the Boston Celtics scored 89 points in the final three periods of that game, meanwhile holding the Milwaukee Bucks to just 55 points and absolutely just throttle the the defending champs in that game by a score of 109 to 81. Look, Giannis, as soon as Chris Middleton went down, uh, you knew they were going to be in trouble because they just don't have another great score. And they've, they've tried to get scoring out of Drew Holiday, who, you know, up until yesterday was playing pretty well. Uh, Grayson Allen hasn't been any good. Patrick Connaughton, he has gone completely in the tank as far as, you know, his shooting ability. He went 0 for 5 yesterday from beyond the arc. Meanwhile, the defensive, uh, I guess, strategy of the Milwaukee Bucks to leave Grant Williams wide open for three-pointers after he shot 41% in the regular season was probably a bad idea because he went 7 for 18 yesterday from beyond the arc led all scores with 27 points, and was just a, a, a house of fire. Absolutely incredible performance by Grant Williams. Meanwhile, Jason Tatum has a ho-hum, 23 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, did have 7 turnovers. It was, it was a high turnover game for uh, Jason Tatum. He had more than half of the team's uh, total turnovers, but nonetheless didn't matter because the Celtics were in complete control from halftime on in that game and the Celtics now move on to play the Miami heat in the Eastern conference finals. That series will start tomorrow. And then of course the Western conference finals, as I previously mentioned, will begin Wednesday in San Francisco as the, the five seed and the three seed in the West versus the one seed and the two seed in the East, just like we expected, right? (laughs) It was the East all along the East was like, man, it could be any one of those like top six teams in the East to advance. And then in the in the West, it was like, okay, the one and the three are going to advance. We just we just understand this to be true. And once again, the reality of sports slaps us around and says, you don't know what you're talking about, man. You don't know anything. Sometimes you feel that way. You put yourself out on a limb, publicly, vocally, and you get smacked around for it. I'm used to it. I've been doing it for 22 years. I'm used to it by now. Still humbling every time. All right. That's going to wrap up our number one. 
when we return after this short break to the hour number two, the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk some NFL, some interesting quirks in the NFL schedule that was released last week, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and some local stuff as U of A baseball takes a weekend series from the top team in the country, and the women's softball team goes postseason once again. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Keen Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. K285DL, 1049 FM Tucson. And KMXC HD4 Tucson.